Hello and welcome to Bleacher Brawls. Welcome to our special Festivus edition of our show tonight. It's going to be a little unusual for our for our common listeners to hear me today hosting an episode. I've never done it before, but I've stepped in today because it's Festivus and Festivus is for the rest of us. So let's start off this episode as we normally do. Let's get the first pitch. Pat, I'm heading over to you. Thank you, Joey. Um, yes, yeah, so folks who listen to the show normally no, normally know that my voice, or maybe John or Luke, we start the midweek show. Joey um, was feeling festive this week and wanted to step in. I'm happy to not be the host this week. I, I appreciate being on the panel. It happens, you know, maybe three or four times a year for me. I'm normally in the host chair, so uh, I, I, uh, I'm excited to be here, and uh, I'm very anxious to see what Joey has up his sleeve. Derek, your first pitch. Let's hear, let's hear your thoughts on tonight. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of still sick. Uh, I missed last week's show because of it, so I'm still recovering from that um, and recovering from the stress that was finals week. Uh, that I had last week, so uh, more so just in a recovery state. Uh, we'll see what Joey has, uh, but the trade-off for Joey hosting is that I get to do trivia, so uh, we'll have some fun with that. It'll be the best trivia you've ever seen in your life. Um, so thank you, Joey, um, for letting the world be blessed by the awesome trivia that is to come. You know, Derek, you're on thin ice already, and I sent the agenda out, and the trivia is not in the agenda, frankly. So it, I think everyone agrees. You know, Derek, I'm going to give you a prospect segment. I'm going to give you a time to do prospects at the end of the show. You're not going to be doing trivia. You're bad at it. No one likes when you do it, but you're going to have prospects. So I'm giving you that. I'm going to let you do what you think you're good at. Okay, so we're going to have you do prospects, but let's let's jump in, guys. The Festivus airing of grievances. Festivus has two things. Uh, well, it, has three, you know, it involves three things. You have to have a metal pole. You have to have your feats of strength at the end. But unfortunately, I, I cannot test my feats of strength in front of you guys. We're not, we're, not, we're not all in the same room. So that leaves us with the airing of grievances. It's going to be very simple. The bleacher brawlers are going to go. Uh, I have some grievances that have been sent in by other people on the crew. I think I'm going to work them in uh, subtly and when it comes time. But first, let's start off with a member of our panel. Let's go with Derek. Derek, let's see some of your grievances. Now, you can do as many as you want, Let's, but I will have to cut you off at some point. I think Pat has the actual hosting power to mute you, but as I'm host, you'll have to listen to me. I mean, I can mute I, too, but that's, you know... Yeah, so you, someone will have to be muted if you go on too long. But please, Derek, list your grievances. I don't have many. Um, I think my biggest grievance, considering the time of year, um, is just the fact about how Red Sox Twitter has lost their mind over the fact that nothing has happened, yet the majority of teams have done nothing. So, I mean, the the whole discourse of, Oh, I mean, the full throttle thing was dumb in the first place and saying that was dumb. But the fact that Red Sox Twitter ran with, oh, full throttle stuff's going to happen. And 
We're not even at Christmas. Like, take a chill pill. Relax. The majority of free agents still haven't signed. The majority of teams still really haven't done anything. Like, chillax. Uh, relax with this whole full-throttle stuff. I understand it's kind of a bad look for the Red Sox because nothing is happening. The fact that, oh, full-throttle. But at the same time, like... It's a long off season. It happens every single year, and every single year it's the same exact thing. Oh, when are they going to make a move? They need to make a move. Like, give it time. <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's like every single year where we see these gaps in free agency, where it's like we're just waiting for someone. We had it with Otani. We were waiting on Otani. Now that Otani signed, now we're waiting on Yamamoto. Uh, and when Yamamoto signs, it might open the floodgates a little bit, but then maybe we're waiting on, like, a Jordan Montgomery or this guy or that guy. So there's always a little bit of waiting. There's always waiting anyways. In ter- or there's going to be waiting maybe on the trade market, right? Maybe they're waiting for a Corbin Burns deal to happen. So, you know, there's always waiting. So that's my big, that is my big grievance, especially considering the time of the year, is we need patience. Um, everyone needs patience. Um, Derek calling for patience. I know it's like, uh, I mean, to keep going silent, it's like full throttle, Jerry, full throttle. You know, it's like, it's like a George Costanza bit. You said you were going to go full throttle and, and they haven't. Uh, understand completely what you're saying. Uh, it does, it does feel like a very nothing boring off season right now. I mean, it's like, we're all sitting on the edge of our seats. It is miserable. It is totally miserable. Uh, this experience right now. I have a grievance sent in by John that I'm going to work in because I think, Derek, I think this is partially directed at you. I'm going to read it by our friend John. My grievance is that our fantasy football league is a complete joke. The 2QB could not be st- <laughs> could not be stupider. We should be ashamed of the league. Luke embarrasses not only himself, but all of us every time he talks about it on the podcast. No one cares about a fantasy football league they are not in, especially a two-quarterback league. I protest the season. I quit on that league weeks ago, and I refuse to take part next year unless the entire format is changed. Derek, I believe you set up the rules to that fantasy football league. I had a similar grievance. No, 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 no. no. I have to be honest. I don't really like the league either. It was carried over. From before when I, before I was the commissioner, it was carried over, and they were not my rules. It was just carried over. So no, so you didn't change the, the rules at The I slightly altered the scoring, which was in agreement between me and multiple people. It's like you're the White House the press slight team. Alteration, I slightly altered the scoring. The slight, the slight alterations. We're returning touchdowns to their normal four points instead of six points and moving interceptions from negative one to negative two. That was the – those were the this only changes. This is a problem. This this was my grievance, Joy. I'm going to jump in here. This is my problem, and I aired this to Derek weeks ago on the chat. It makes absolutely no sense to me that the guy who throws the touchdown gets less points than the guy – who catches the touchdown? Is that how it works? That's just how fantasy football works. Do, that's do not nonsense. blame. Do, that's not that, that. All it was an agreement to return it to the normal fantasy state of. Four you know how points. we did in fantasy baseball, where I was the commissioner and I also coincidentally won the league. A single one point, a double, 
two points. Okay, this is simple math. Well, that Pat builds upon how the sport works. Hey, I, I am open to changes. I never said I haven't been open my to changes. My tight end should not score my more points than the guy who threw him the ball and threw everybody else the ball. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it depends on how bad that person is who's throwing the ball. I'll just say that. But, no, I get what you're coming from. Nice. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. I'm just – what I'm saying is more so on the line of just like – we didn't really change much of the rules. Everything was pretty much carried over from the first year of fantasy football when I wasn't the commissioner. So if you I'm want to blame someone, I'm, I'm blowing not the, the whistle. one to blame. I'm, I'm blowing the whistle on that. Pat, I will say, now this is not my grievance. Uh, our fantasy baseball rules suck too. Uh, pitching was... <laughs> Like the the weight of pitching was really weird. It's like you could put it together a great offense. Yeah, you guys did something. Was it strikeouts? You guys, did, what did you guys do that made it so Dude, bad? I, there was, there was a, the I will I will give you this. Strike people out. There was a major error, which was uh, giving up a walk was the same thing as giving up a run. It was just minus one point. Yeah, what? there was there was a, there was a problem. There. Yeah, there was some <laughs> issues. Because I looked at my team, I'm like, dude, I have this fant- – I drafted a fantastic offensive team that doesn't strike out, but I, I had weak pitching, and I just lost all the time. And I was wondering why, and I'm like, oh, Derek rigged the system before we all played so he'd know that he could draft all these teams and win the league. Yeah, I know, but I know it you were involved me. in the rules. I know you knew the rules. No, and you're like, no that is not true, Derek. Derek was involved in the rules because I set I up the scoring it. system. And I said, are there any problems? And Derek said, yes, there's a massive problem. No, the highest pitcher is ranked like 476th in the league. Which pitchers are true. not weighted enough. So I turned all the pitchers way up. It ruined okay, the to league be structure. fair, though, totally if the pitcher it. was if, – if the best pitcher would have been worse than almost every single position player, then what would be the point of having pitchers? Well, that, what are that the standard rules? Fair... I mean, is I it like that in the standard rules? To no. be fair, the, the Yahoo rules are bad, so we were kind well, of making it up. Well, remember Bar- – well, do we want to mention it? But the person who suggested <laughs> yeah, mention him. You can say his name. He's not a yeah. Barnes Barnes had had suggested using the daily fantasy daily fantasy sports scoring in terms of all the hitter stats, right? But those numbers that they use for daily fantasy scoring is much higher than what they use for the fantasy leagues. So it created an imbalance. That's so how did that end up nerfing hitters? How did how did we end up nerfing hitters so bad? I don't know. We could literally just go and use the normal rule set. And we use the ESPN system. I don't know. The, uh, bottom line, wanted to do. bottom line, our fantasy baseball. If you think our fantasy football rules were bad, our fantasy baseball rules were a lot worse. Because no, they, I, made, have, I have no problem with those. I finished uh, twenty and two. And I, I won in a resounding victory in the championship. So I have no issues with the baseball score. Uh, okay. Uh, also the commissioner of the league. Let's not even talk about it. Let's not even talk about the corruption going on. <laughs> and and that was that your grievance? Was that your grievance as well? I just want – yeah, I, I can't get over the fantasy football score. All right. Well, think of, think of another grievance potentially. Uh, I only have one. I have, which is uh, when Derek went at the beginning, he unironically used the word chillax. That's a grievance that I have. What's Chillax. wrong with that? Nineteen ninety-eight. Chillax. 
All right, I'll read, uh, I'll read some grievances from Caroline. Now, Caroline did not fully understand the concept of Festivus, uh, <laughs> which, I don't know, if made me feel older than her. I think we're the same. Are we the same age, Pat? She might be older than me. No, you're, you're uh, she's, I know she is a little older than you, yeah. Nice. Well, it's never been a problem before, but apparently Festivus was not a concept to her that she understood. So I explained it to her, and her, <laughs> her Festivus grievances were, the Yankees trading Kyle Higashioka. Loved that guy. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Someone's got sound effects here. No, 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 no. <laughs> Can we keep this show under control? I, I have no mute powers. Just, I can't even mute them. T- tell me when you want to blow the whistle and I will blow the whistle. Okay, okay. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for your cop. Your pros- pr- prospect a minute just went down to 30 seconds. Anyway, her big problem was the Yankees trading Kyle Higashioka and Luke saying Bleacher Brawl related. I, I would say Luke being one in Bleacher Brawl's fantasy league. So she's upset about Luke being first in the fantasy football league. Again, it's, that seems to be a common theme here, is that people are upset about the fantasy. We're all just upset because Luke is winning. Luke had an off week this week. He didn't even set his lineup because he didn't have to. He's also been, you know, kind of busy with stuff this week. And he still scored like 170 points. He didn't even move his players around. So um, his team is very good, and I think that's why it upsets us all. Can I air a and- Luke grievance? I have a grievance for Luke. <laughs> Yeah, uh, era Luke grievance. Uh, Derek, you must be shaking in your boots waiting for my grievance because you know it's going to be directed at you, right? I mean, you, <laughs> you know that's coming. No, no, my <laughs> biggest grievance is with it's not with just Luke, but Luke has been saying this, so he 100% falls under this umbrella. Yoshinobu Yamamoto is not the end-all, be-all. Stop it. The Red Sox can still be fine if they don't get Yamamoto. This goes into the patience thing, too, but... Chill. All right. I'm doing my grievance. I'm doing my grievance. I'm doing my grievance. I'll read Luke's after. I gathered you all here at Festivus to air some grievances, and I've got problems with a lot of you. Okay? Derek, stop talking about Red Sox pitching prospects like they're going to go and play the major. You loved Brandon Walter. And Shane Drowen, and they did nothing, and they never were going to do anything. And you loved them so much, and you pumped them up. Oh, this guy's going to – he was terrible. And also, I have a huge problem with your tendency to always defend the GM, no matter who the GM is. I'm learning this now. You, you've you always defended Heimblum, and now we have this Craig Breslow guy who, I mean, I, I, I don't have a bad opinion of yet. I don't. Not yet. And you're already making excuses for him. Oh, Yamamoto is at the being and under. Oh, oh, full throttle. Oh, Red Sox Twitter. You're already defending him. Derek, what is no, with why are you a, you're a regime lackey, Derek? You're a regime lackey. I don't understand. All right. I want it to end. And I want it to end now. Stop it with the prospect, the middling prospect obsession. I understand. They're like my kids. When you have you a prospect. Derek, I'm airing grievances. Grievances are being aired. All right, it's Festivus. I'm airing grievances. Okay. Derek, I understand high-level prospects like Mayer and Roman Anthony are worth examination and, and talk. I completely understand that. 
But when you talk about guys that are like 17 years old that signed for $25,000 in the group chat, I think me, and I think I'm speaking for everyone, we all sigh because it's not relevant to the baseball team. It's just not. It is organizationally relevant to like the three interns that are in charge of handling that village in the Dominican Republic. It doesn't matter. Okay. You're already starting with Winkleman. I, I've, I've heard you start with Winkleman. You love Red Sox pitching prospects that will never amount to anything. You really do. So for my festivist grievance, one, I want you to apologize to the American people for defending Heim Bloom so much, which you did, which Luke did, which Pat did to a lesser extent. I would call Pat a fellow traveler. I want you to apologize for that. And I want you to stop pumping up mid prospects. Please pump up Kyle Teal. You can pump pump up Marcelo Meyer. Please feel free. Give me some great insight on them. But when you talk about guys like Shane Drowen, like he's going to be number two, a number two starter in our rotation next year when we we rule five them, he's gone. You know that drives me crazy. I need a little bit of relevance. All right. And now I'm going to read Luke's grievance. Okay. I'm going to read Luke's grievance. Derek, I'm going to give you some time to react, but you know keep it quick. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm sorry that I'm positive about prospects and I don't dive into their negatives. I'm sorry. That's the perfect comeback, Derek. (laughs) Me and – okay, so me and Hunter Noel, um, we we talk all the time, and one of our things is what's the point of talking – just beating up on prospects? These kids, they're literal teenagers. And also, too, they're kind of like our kids, and you see them grow up from, you know, being signed and whether it's – being a 16 year old out of whatever, you know, out of the DR or whatever, or being a, you know, 18 year old high school draftee, getting to see them grow from the minor leagues and then hopefully turning into the big league players that are great. That's the fun part in it all. Right. So I'm sorry. I'm not going to dash, you know, uh, go crazy on Wiggleman Gonzalez because he has some, you know, question marks, which he does. But at the same time, it's real fun to dive into the potential upside and to imagine what could happen if he does hit that ceiling of what his potential is, which is really high. Is there a lot of variability with what he could be? Yes, but really high ceiling. Also, too, we want to talk about prospects signed for 20 k or whatnot. Sedan Rafael signed for $10,000. So I'm just saying. Yes, I understand, Derek, but would it be worth worth it to talk about Sedan Raffaella when he was 16 and signed that contract? I'm saying no. I'm saying no, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the last word on that. Now to read Luke's grievance. It's very long. It's very long-winded. And actually, it reminded me of some grievances I have. Per- and I'm going to give everyone, if you want to attack Luke after this, I'm going to give everyone the space to. Okay, I'm going to give everyone that option. It's Festivus. Let's live a little. Very long. Please bear with me. My grievance is obviously with John. John's signature move is to take what I say and embellish it exponentially to try and make me look like a fanatical loon. Naturally, he for zero of his life against me, he is over, he's zero in his life against me in arguments. So his only hope at standing toe-to-toe with me in battle is to reshape my actual thoughts into a faux narrative that it can actually compete against. Straw manning, I believe it's called, right? Jeter Downs can be the Red Sox long-term SS becomes Jeter Downs is the future of the Boston Red Sox. Tristan Cassis can be a perennial MVP candidate becomes Tristan Cassis will win the MVP. The Red Sox are built very similarly to the Rangers. Did he really say that? He said we're built like the Rangers. 
What is he? I, what what is he on? Is y'all crack? He said that for a couple weeks. Yeah, like he that was like his thing for like five episodes. I blocked that out. I blocked that out. Uh, by the way, I predicted the Rangers would win the World Series. Did I tell you guys that? Did I have I mentioned have I mentioned that? Have there was you also mentioned that game where that? Nick Pavetta pitched really well one time. <laughs> he went through a complete game, and I was there. <laughs> uh, the Red Sox are just as good as the Rangers. The Red Sox are two starting starting pitchers away from contention. Becomes just add any two starting pitchers at the deadline, and the Red Sox will win the World Series. John is the David Copperfield of the podcasting world. He can put on a big show but it's all nothing more than an illusion. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Well, um, as uh, regular listeners of this show know, I, I host the show between the two of them every Sunday night. And uh, there have been many times where I have just walked away from my computer <laughs> and I've um, used the facilities or I've maybe I've grabbed a snack or maybe I've just gotten up to stretch because I was sitting there doing nothing for so long because those two guys can go back and forth like nobody's business. Derek, your thoughts. Um, seeing Luke and John go back and forth, uh, sometimes it's fun. Other times it is way too long about the same subject and it can get annoying extremely quickly. Um, but I mean, isn't that why we love the two of them together? Just because it's chaotic and no one knows what the heck they're going to argue about. Um, that I mean, hey, it makes for a good duo. Um, but some of Luke's takes have been outrageous at times. Um, as has does I mean, everyone makes outrageous takes at times. So I mean, that's not really saying anything. Um, but there are definitely times this year when Luke was saying something, I'm like, I can't even defend him on this one. I'm going to sit this one out. I've got a grievance that just came to my mind. The fact that Joey keeps um, saying, I picked the Texas Rangers to win the World Series, as if that wasn't the team that had spent the most money and had overhauled their roster the most. I, I think he's going to hit us with a crazy whammy in about February that he's going to pick the Dodgers to win the World Series next year. Ridiculous take. None of you guys even picked them to win their division. None of, if it was so easy, why did no one else pick the Rangers? Okay, no one else picked them. All right, I said they were America's team. I looked at them, I saw who we all picked. A grievance against Luke actually has now come to my head as well. Why does he hate Hunter Renfro so much? Oh, and defending the JBJ trade. Can we all at least condemn him for that now? But he sat there and defended the Hunter Renfro JBJ trade for months. For months. I think he might still defend no, it now. Years. Years. Yeah, years. I don't think has he given that up? Have he has he given that up officially? Okay, I'll I'll say this. At the time, I thought it made sense because I thought they were going to add someone else. Maybe like a say a Suzuki, because he was a free agent at the time. I thought they were gonna add someone else. That trade became not good when Jackie Bradley Jr. was a starting right fielder on opening day. That's what I'll say. Now, that, that, I love JBJ. Bad. We I love took JBJ. on money to have that. The worst part about that deal is that we couldn't get under the luxury tax because Heim Bloom decided to trade Hunter Renfro for JBJ. Actually, that's not why. That's not why. The reason was because he didn't trade J.D. Martinez at the deadline. Well, yeah, but, but also, but he would have been yeah, but if yes. he didn't do that. But, 
Yeah, exactly. I, he still, def- I think he still defends that. I, I, I don't know. That was insane. Like I said, I don't think it's as bad. I don't think it's as bad of a trade as some people make it. But it's definitely not good, especially in wrestling. Well, I mean, you know, Derek, you're the prospect guy, and then we're gonna move on because we've gone way too long on this. How are Alex Benellis and David Hamilton doing? Benellis has. Struggled. I, I was don't told that they were gonna be the reason they were the they were the main pieces. Well, they were, but like Benellis has struggled. Um, David Hamilton is. Where's the word "were" solid. past tense? They were. <laughs> so we've Jeter down. Hamilton's been. Been a nice little ad from that trade. What's he going to turn into? I'm not really sure. Um, you know, he might just kind of be like a, end up being a bench guy. Uh, Fantastic. How, how good his speed is. Which it's not ideal. What a great move for the future of the Reds. Haim really made some stinker trades. How did you guys ever but get from this? I, okay, true, next, segment. next segment. Derek, please behave yourself. Next segment. Now, this one's going to be quick. I want I want just, I want just uh, maybe one sentence at the team and then a quick explanation. Very quickly, Yamamoto final prediction landing spot. Pat, I'm going to go to you first because you're so handsome tonight. Thank you. Uh, I'm saying the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I'm going to pull a Joey and I'm going to give the obvious answer and and pretend like I've come up with something on my own. Um, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I don't know why you wouldn't. The only thing, Joey, I've been th- thinking about what you said the other night about does this guy really want to go and be the fourth biggest star on this team? I've been thinking about this in the 48 hours since we recorded that last episode. And I just cannot think of why a professional athlete would care that much. I can see why you, a budding politician, would care that much. Um, But I just cannot see why a guy who's competitive and cares about winning and wants to play in the greatest baseball league in the world wouldn't want to play for the greatest baseball team in the world. So I'm going the Dodgers. All right, I'll, I'll go next. And Pat, you are right. You know, that is a me thing. That's why I'm on Bleacher Brawls. I'm the only star here. And that's pretty clear. For the Yamamoto landing spot, for the Yamamoto landing spot, I'm still going to go Red Sox because I'm a homer. I'm a homer and it's disgusting. Derek, please, please go ahead. I'm a homer, but, and I wish I could say the Red Sox, uh, I have been leaning Dodgers, um, but to just give a different answer, my second place team is the Mets, so I'll say the Mets. I, I think it could make a lot of sense. They said that they traded Scherzer and Verlander because they were quote-unquote rebuilding, which I think it's more of a retool because they got a lot of guys in the minor league, high end of the minor leagues who look good. They still have a ton of big league pieces, um, and Yamamoto and Senga would be a very, very solid one-two. And I think Yamamoto is going to be even better than what Senga was last year. And I, I, I don't even think that's a question. I think he will be for sure. So yeah, Senga was great. He won the Rookie of the Year. I wanted him last year. Uh, the Red Sox, I don't remember making an effort on him very much. Maybe they did. We don't really – it doesn't seem like it. We don't really know the room. The only room that I saw is that room reportedly took less money to go to the Mets. That's all I heard. Right. That's uh, what I remember hearing. Now I have another question, and let's let's, let's try to keep this – uh, I mean, you guys are going to go long anyway on this. If the Red Sox don't get Yamamoto, should they punt this offseason? Now, punting doesn't mean not making any additions, but punting would entail not making any blockbuster blockbuster acquisitions. So no Cor- Corbin Burns, no Jordan Montgomery, etc. Derek, I'm going to go to you. Should they punt if they don't get Yamamoto? If they don't get Yamamoto, they, they cannot. 
they cannot punt. The Red, Red Sox fan base will already lose their minds. Not, I mean, which is dumb anyways. If they don't get Yamamoto, like I said, I think, like, patience. Um, but if they they do need to go out and may, still make big moves, whether it's a Montgomery, I personally would rather do Imanaga than Montgomery. Um, just because I feel like at the price point, it'll bring some more value. But Montgomery is more bigly proven with inconsistent, so that I would still be okay with that. Um, a name I've thrown around a little bit on a short-term deal, I would not be against Marcus Stroman. I know that's going to bring, like, what the heck vibes, but if you're telling me a Marcus Stroman would sign a, a two-year deal. All right, thank you, Derek. take it. So Thank you, Derek. Thank I'm you for your saying. time. Thank you for your time. Uh, I'm going to go now. Honestly, I think they should punt if they don't get Yamamoto. And I'm going to give you my reasoning, and you guys tell me. This is a little controversial. I feel like if the Red Sox don't get Yamamoto, Craig Breslow's going to walk into the front office. He's going to look at all his data analysts. He's going to look at a guy that looks like Derek with, the, with, the, with Derek's old red ponytail that he used to have, which was disgusting. I hated it. He's going to look at him, and he's going to go, we don't have Yamamoto, but we can create him in the aggregate. And then he's going to go give Jordan Montgomery like $250 million or something. That's I think the Red Sox, if they don't get Yamamoto, are going to feel the fan pressure and do something stupid like give Montgomery an it-year deal or make some trades that are insane. It doesn't feel like they're going to have a good reaction it's good. It's their damage control. I think is going to be ending up worse for the team in the long run. I think their damage control, not getting Yamamoto is going to be a disaster. So I feel like I'd rather have them punt. Also on the Imanaga topic. I don't know if you guys have seen this. His home run numbers are bad. I mean, I, 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 he, he gives up the long ball pitching in a park like Fenway. He's a fly ball pitcher. I don't know how great he'd be in Fenway. He's okay. I mean, I like, I like Senga. He's kind of similar to Senga. I'm just worried about the long ball. The guy's never pitched in the majors, and it seems like his market's going to be crazy. I don't know. Pat, set me straight here. No, I think they had to do all the things that you just said you didn't want them to do. I mean, I don't think you should give Jordan Montgomery $250 million, but I think you need to sign Jordan Montgomery, and I think that you need to make a trade. I think we've built up this farm system. We're a top three at worst, a top five farm system now, and um, some of these guys got to go. We're, we're getting to that point, especially next year's Rule 5. Uh, obviously, this year, you know, Joey could make a joke out of it. Next year's Rule 5, it's going to be dirty. There's going to be a lot of guys left on the chopping block because there's only 40 spots on that 40-man roster. And um, you got to decide who's going to go now or who's going to go in, in July because they're not going to be here anyway. And you need to flip them for something. We were at that point where we have the positive problem of too many um, – uh, solid plus prospects, and they got to go. And I think that they need to go for um, a, a reasonable return. I mean, uh, you know, who a month ago knew that Tyler Glass now was available? I don't think that was really on <clears throat> on the tip of a lot of people's tongues. I think they got to find that guy. Who's, who's the next guy that's like that, that their team, for whatever reason, is, is not too high on? Are there teams who are still kind of on the periphery and haven't been able to to swing things in their direction i'm i've been saying this about seattle for a long time seattle's seattle has found 
as good as they're going to be. They've found their their carrying capacity. Um, when is Seattle going to decide to unload? Um, uh, you know, who else is on some sort of a, I don't know, maybe the, 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 uh, the Marlins may be thinking about some turnaround. You get the idea. I'm just throwing some names out there, but I think that there needs to be a, a, a trade for a guy, um, that is not, that is not the JBJ equivalent. Um, that, that needs to be a serious, a serious contender who we give serious stuff up for because, um, I don't, I don't know why they hired Breslow if, if that was not the intention. Right. I don't know how far this team gets without an ace. If they don't sign an ace, I, I don't think this team's going to do anything. Uh, Montgomery, I personally just want no part of. That's kind of my fears that they sign him. I saw him too much with the Yankees. I, I, I don't like him long term. I just I don't believe in him. I don't believe in Jordan Montgomery. Can, can, I, can I say that? I do agree that Montgomery, there are a lot of no Derek, I'm the host. I'm hosting, Derek. I'm hosting. Uh you totally talked about these mid-level prospects. We have a lot of guys that are roll-blocked, too. Like, Blaze Jordan is, like, a prime example of a guy that is roll-blocked. He has nowhere to go. Why do we still have him? And it seems like Heim Bloom, you know, you watch the Rule 5, we lost, like, five guys. We had, like, five guys taken the Rule 5 draft. I don't remember it ever being that bad before. It seems like poor roster construction, poor management. It was Why did we have all these guys on the roster? Why didn't we trade them? What was Heimblum thinking? It just it, it it seems like poor management, poor roster management. I I agree though. A lot of these mid level guys have got to go. Keep your top three. Keep Teal. Keep uh, Mayor. Keep Roman Anthony. But a uh, Nick York, a Blaze Jordan, we can afford to lose a guy like that, especially if we were going to go out and get uh, the guy from uh, Milwaukee, uh, the infielder. What's his name? The, the guy, they always, we always put him in fantasy trades. We always, it's always him and Burns. It's always like trade so-and-so for this guy and Burns. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Are you thinking of William Adamas? Yeah. Like if we put together a package that included like Nick York and somebody for William Adamas, that's a good trade. William Adamas comes and he plays second base. Nick York is a second baseman. You know, that's that makes sense to me. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like they're going to make some rash decisions that end up really bad. Anyway, for the next segment, for the next segment, guys. Well, first of all, I want to know how you're all doing with Joey hosting. Do we, do we like it? Do we do we like Joey hosting? I, I'm fine so far. Just uh, keep an eye on that time. Yeah, I think we've got about, what, another 20 minutes probably? Right? Yeah. Everyone, I gave you the assignment to name three players that you think will be remembered as the players of the decade when 2030 hits. The guys who the 2020s will be associated with forever. I want three names. I want the reasons. And please be a little creative. If if I hear uh, Otani, you know I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little resentful because it's obvious. But maybe maybe your take is that it won't be Otani because Otani won't be in the league past 2025. That's a good take. Will it be Trout? Trout's maybe done too early in order to be considered. Can I ask? That. This is not but, Red Sox. This is just MLB as a whole. Just right? MLB wide. And you feel okay, free also to pick a guy. Sure and feel free also to have to pick a guy that's maybe not debuted yet. You know, this is kind of prospecty. So please, I actually do have a guy who hasn't debuted. Derek, yet. then Derek, I'll let you go first because it's prospect adjacent. Please go ahead. Three guys. Well, I don't want to list my prospect guy first. I want to save that one. I do want to go with the guy who I think is going to be a face. I am a little worried about his public perception, but I'm going with Fernando Tatis Jr. 
I the guy just I, I it's a little iffy because the whole you know PD thing whatnot. But the guy just had an amazing season. He won a platinum glove in the outfield. And the guy has pretty much not played the outfield before this year. I know he played it a little bit previously, like last in 2022 or was it 21, whatever year it was. But I'm just saying, I think we're going to get past the Tatis PD thing. I think that's going to kind of pass. And I think Tatis is going to be one of the faces of baseball like he was on track to do before the whole PED thing came up. I, I think Eric, with the defense he's shown, plus his offensive skill set and how dynamic he don't is. Don't hate your pick, Derek. I don't hate your pick. To me, though, I feel like, and Pat, tell me whether you agree with this. I feel like Tatis had a down season. He had 25 bombs. He had hit 250-something. I mean, it, it, he, he didn't... Remember, he only he missed like the first month of, of the year. Or so. Yeah, but he hit... I mean, what was his OPS plus? Let's look. His OPS plus. Oh no, I uh, meant in terms of like the twenty-five homers. Yeah, I mean his OPS plus was one thirteen. I mean that's that doesn't say generational to me. If he gets back, yeah, Pat, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry to catch up. I was just gonna say I think I'm less concerned about how he bounces back as a baseball player, and because um, he's very ta- clearly a very talented baseball player, and more um, is is his public image ever gonna bounce back? I don't think so. Um, I think he really screwed himself over the course of like six months and, um, it's going to be hard to come back from. And, um, people are going to remember not only just, you know, being an idiot kid is one thing, but you know, we are, we are in the, um, you know, uh, uh, steroid kind of blacklist and, you know, that's fair to a certain degree. I think, um, it's going to be tough to bounce back from. Yeah, and uh, only played really two full seasons in his career. All right, Pat, let's hear a name, Pat. Uh, Spencer Strider. I think um, he's on a team that's going to be good for a long time, which means he's going to get that coveted win stat. And although um, most uh, baseball uh, statisticians – care less and less about wins. I don't think that the Cy Young voters care less and less about wins. Um, And I think that that's going to be a valuable case for a couple of those guys to put in his, his trophy case. I think he's going to walk out of this decade um, with maybe at least two. He's a high strikeout guy. He's going to win a lot of games. He's going to pitch in big games. That's what, you know, the baseball writers like. Um, I'd fall for it too if I filled out that ballot. Um, and so I think he's going to be a very decorated uh, sort of performer uh, by the end of the decade. His strikeout numbers are just unreal. It's like otherworldly. This is what's so great about this. We have the Yamamoto deal. People are projecting 10 years. And I wanted you guys to be able to think, well, not, not 10, but I guess six years down the line. Uh, for my pick, this is going to be bold. I think this is also a bold one. I think Yamamoto will be remembered as one of the players of the decade. He's in Japan. The guy won three straight triple crowns. He won three MVPs, three pitcher of the... If he translates that at all, like if he goes out and wins two Cy Youngs in the next six years, I think he'll be remembered as one of the pitchers of the decade, or if not the pitcher of the decade, especially now that his media his media presence is huge because of all the free agent coverage he's gotten. He's now becoming a household name. And... If he goes to LA or New York, which is it's which it's feeling like, or Boston, those are all huge media markets where he'll get a lot of exposure. 
I think the only drawback to someone like Tatis, other than the fact that he really hasn't, you know, this was his worst season, but someone like Tatis is that he also plays in San Diego, which isn't that big of a media market, not that big of a deal anymore. And it looks like their franchise is on the downspin. So my pick is Yamamoto. Uh, if Like an Ichiro type deal. Uh, even Daisuke, when he first was in the league, was a huge deal for those first few seasons. People knew who Daisuke was. If Yamamoto has a pitching triple crown winning season or two Cy Youngs or a Cy Young, maybe an MVP, he'll be remembered as one of the best pitchers of the decade. Absolutely. And Derek, I'm going to go back to you. Uh, well, you stole my second pick in Yamamoto. So um, and I was going to – my thing on him, I was going to say he's already one of the pitchers of the decade just in Japan, and he doesn't even have to play a game there the rest of the decade. That's how outrageous he's been the last couple seasons. Um, but I'll go to my prospect pick. Um, I was originally thinking maybe I'll do like an Ellie De La Cruz. I know he had a rough second half of the year, but because of the big personality and whatnot. Uh, but I kind of feel like I got that with Tatis. Uh, so I'm just going to go with the number one prospect in baseball, and I'm not picking him because he's the number one prospect. Uh, but I'm going with Jackson Holiday. Um, the Orioles are the luckiest team in the world with that the fact that they're becoming this great team. And as they started becoming good, it's like, oh, yeah, you still have the number one pick because you're terrible in 2021. And good for them, right? Orioles fans deserve something to cheer about. But it is a little bit annoying. As soon as they start getting good in 2022, it's like, oh, wait, they just bring up Rutschman. Oh, and they also... Yeah, they still have the number one pick this year. They take Jackson Holiday. Uh, he just turned 20 uh, earlier this month, um, December 4th. He turned 20. This is his age 19 season. He played in low A, high A, double A, and triple A this year as a 19-year-old. 125 games, and in those games hit 323 with a 442 on base and a 500 slugging. Uh 30 doubles, 9 triples, 12 homers, 118 strikeouts, That's which is, sounds a little high, but that's normal for minor leaguers. Uh, but also, he had 70, uh, no, sorry, he had uh, 101 walks this year. He also stole 24 bases as well. Uh, and he's so, very solid defensively at shortstop. That, the Orioles have their, I don't want to say next Cal Ripken, because that's one, that's not fair at all to Jackson Holiday. But in terms of their next franchise shortstop, he is that guy. That's a that's a great pick. Yeah, he he shot up the system. I was tempted to do something Homer and like put down like Roman Anthony or something, but I I, I did not have the cojones to to do that. Pat, let's hear it. Who's your number two? I'll go to my Oriole then. Um, I thought about Gunnar Henderson, but I'm not sure how this Jackson Hollis thing's going to shake. I'm mean, guess Gunnar's going to play third, but I don't. I think that's going to. Jackson's going to be so flashy and he's going to play shortstop. I think, um, I think surprisingly or not, he's going to get um, overlooked. I still think though, I know I talk about him a lot on the show cause he's one of my guys, but I think um, Adley Rutschman, he's just, there aren't that we don't have great catchers anymore. And I'm not even sure at this point you could call Adley a great catcher, but um, you know, he's all MLB t- first team. Um, and I think he, he defines a lot of things that, of what makes a great catcher that team Derek makes a point that team got good at the exact moment Adley got there. (laughs) They didn't get swept um, for like 16 months or something after Adley got there. 
Um, you know, as much as we, you know, we like to go back and forth about Joe Mauer and Buster Posey and some of those guys the other night, we don't have catchers like that anymore. We just don't, we don't have superstar catchers. Um, I mean like Salvador Perez is like a great hitting catcher and is his, you know, his pitching rotation likes him, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't put him in that same kind of camp. Um, I think Adley's going to, going to make catchers great again. Yeah, it's rare to see someone uh, as an elite hitter at the catching position now. I mean, even Salvador Perez, he had like one unicorn season, I think we've learned. For me, it's tough to pick a Baltimore guy because it's such a small market. Part of my motivation for this was to kind of discount people that are in cities without big media attention. So I, I thought of a Bobby Witt. I thought of a Corbin Carroll. I don't see them getting out of town soon enough. I mean, Kansas City, Arizona, they're not going to be getting the type of attention that was necessary for them to be superstars of the decade, although Corbin Carroll could maybe win a World Series. My next pick, I think, is is also maybe pretty hot. I'm picking Jordan Alvarez. I think this guy's got immense power. He's already ha- He already has two rings. Oh, no, does he have two rings? I think he has one. No, he has one ring. No, he has two. He was he he two. called up mid-2017. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he has won. two no, no, rings. Sorry, no, he did it. Sorry, he doesn't have two. Two, he has one. It was mid-2019. Yeah. All right, so I he has years one. Messed up. These, they, they combine. Yeah, so he has one ring. He has a rookie of the year already. And the guy, I think by the end of this decade, might be closing in on 350, 400 home runs. He is the type of guy to have a power season hitting 50-something-plus bombs. You know, kind of reminds you of like a Jose Batista 2010. I can totally see something like that for Jordan Alvarez being on the horizon. He's about to enter his prime. He's a young man who's already established. He's on a great team. He probably has another ring or two in him, knowing the Astros. I think Jordan Alvarez, when all is said and done, probably has – one of the best chances out of all the ball players right now of hitting 500 home runs at some point. Now he won't do that by the end of the decade, but he could get there. So I think Jordan Alvarez, maybe the only thing that will hold him back is his personality, but we've yet to see that come out. I think he will be remembered as one of the greatest power hitters of, of, of this generation of players. So I want to add real quick to that uh, because I considered Jordan. Luke and I did a video, a YouTube video, I think it was in 2021, was it? Um, no, yeah, no, sorry, 2022, like middle of 2022. I think it was like May. And we titled the video, I think we titled it something like, Is Jordan Alvarez the next David Ortiz? We titled something like that. Obviously, no one's ever going to be David Ortiz. But, here's the but, he's the closest thing we have to, this generation has to David Ortiz. So, in terms of designated hitter, just massive human being, hits home runs, great, like, elite hitter. He's the closest thing we have. Um, I wanted to go with the pitcher, and I was going to go with Yamamoto, so I'm a little sad that that got taken from me. Um, however, I'll go with the reliever route. I know relievers don't normally get a ton of love, um, and they're never going to be, like, the biggest stars, but I feel like every generation has that one reliever, right? And I feel like that's been a little bit missing since the, you know, Mariano Rivera. I feel like we haven't had that one reliever that is just like, he is like that guy. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth has been the last year. Um, And I know he had a little bit of a down year this past year. 
Um, but he was still very, very good. Still had 44 saves this year, this past year with Cleveland. I'm going with Emmanuel Classe. Um, the guy is when he's uh, relief on, pitcher when he's in sliders, Cleveland. What? Hey, media hey. darling, a Cleveland closer. Go ahead. But but my hey, wild thing. Hey, media darling. Okay, uh, I'm joking. But no, they, with Class A, I think when he's when he is on, when the slider is working, which didn't always work this past year, had some struggles with it. But when the slider is working, he is one of, if not the hardest guy to hit in baseball. Because good luck hitting a 100-plus-mile-per-hour cutter, and then up, yep, you're getting a nasty slider when, when he's 100% on, like an almost unhittable slider. Um, I consider going with Yohan Duran just because of the stuff with him is so outrageous, but I definitely, but I think Class A is a better pitcher. So I ended up going with Class A because of that. And also, too, I it wouldn't shock me if he ends up leaving Cleveland at some point relatively soon in the next couple years or so next two to three years, it wouldn't shock me if, if he got traded. So, like, I'm going to go with Class A. And I think whenever he does hit free agency, I think he's going to get some, like, a massive contract and it's going to be a big market team that signs him. So that's kind of what I'm banking, banking on with, with him. All right, Pat, do you have a relief pitcher on your list? I hope not. I do not. Um, I have a hometown guy. I... Uh... I'm going Rafi Devers. I just, this guy's got to win an MVP at some point, right? I think a lot of it has to do with the roster that's been around him. Pitchers have not felt the need to pitch to him, especially this last year. I think he was chasing a lot um, because he felt like he had to, to make something happen. Um, You get a good team around this guy and he gets to do what he does best. Um, I think he's finally going to be, I mean, you kind of, you know, you look at these lists of like, Oh, top third baseman. He's always like fifth or sixth and I, and I can appreciate and understand that argument. Um, but I still don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And so I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And I'm, I'm saying that our, our franchise player is still not the guy that he could be. Um, and it's going to have his own version of a breakout, hopefully very soon. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking for that for that Devers MVP contention season for a while. Uh, his best seasons were his best season was twenty twenty one. So I'd li- I'd like to see him just be a cut above that. Uh, this season, I, first first half, first few months were rough for him. I, I think I think he's definitely a personality guy. In twenty nineteen, where he led the league in doubles. He had a great season because Mookie and all of them were still around. And in 21, we had a great team that was going to the playoffs and all of this fun stuff and great cohesion. I think he's definitely affected by the mood of the team, and I think that affects his performance heavily. So hopefully, if our team's good, I think Devers will rise and will be seen as a great player. I just don't know how much personality he has uh, to be marketable and public and out there. I, I hope so, but... I think that's a good pick. I was considering him as well. For my next pick, for my last pick, it was between two guys for me. It was actually between three guys. Uh, and it was tough because I wanted to pick Julio Rodriguez, but he's going to be in Seattle till 2030. He's going to be in Seattle. I don't he know how much was in going. Seattle. Yeah, but each I mean, okay. I mean, I, yes, sorry, I, I, in I, Seattle. Just saying. 
Griffey Ichiro was in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, okay. And they also got like a they had a 117 win season. Like they set the record for most wins. You know, they played some great ball over there, but they never won anything. For me, I'm going to pick Acuña. I don't like Acuña. So you know this is tough for me, but I I I'm going to pick Acuña. He's 25. He's 25 or maybe 26 now. He's by the end of the by the end of the decade, he's only going to be in his early 30s. He has plenty of time to hit his prime and be unreal. And he's in Atlanta, which is a great ball club. He already has a ring. I, I think by the end of the decade, Acuna will probably be remembered as the best outfielder uh, of our decade. Maybe one of the best center fielders of the 21st century. So my last pick is Acuna. Can, can I give a little shout out? There's a guy I considered picking. And I know you went with uh, Yamamoto. And that can kind of dig, like touch into the Japanese market. I considered going with Lee Jung-Hu. I considered going with him, uh, tapping into the Korean market and him being a massive star. I considered going with him. Obviously, he just signed with the Giants. The Korean player has never been a star. I mean, we've never had a star Korean MLB player, right? You had Shin Su Chu. But like Kim has definitely made waves. And if but yeah. Lee can come over, well, what I'm saying is, in terms of like, he's <laughs> player been a very decade, solid Hustong player. Kim. No, what well, I'm saying, he's been like a solid player, and he's and he's been a guy that has tapped into. I feel like he kind of tapped into that Korean fan base, but I think Lee can legitimately be a star, and he's only 25. Um, I I hope. I mean, I hope. So. Should I mean, I I hope this guy taps into the Korean fan base. He's a Korean. So, I mean, I, I I'd hope out of anyone, he'd be able to do it. Um, well, I just I, mean I, in terms of that because he is so young, and the Giants just made him their marquee free agent. Yeah. I, well, also remember uh, what's the what's the ad from the '90s? Chicks dig the long ball. He's not going to be hitting a lot of home runs, so don't I don't know. I hope I hope it works out. I hope I hope it works out for him. He's he's definitely a good player, but I've just, there's never been a Korean superstar in the MLB. It's a much harder hurdle to climb for him. One other thing I want to I want to you reminded me of a uh, of a grievance. I have a grievance. What about with Red Sox fans? doing fantasy trades for Haseon Kim all the time. We have been putting that guy in the trade value machine for like three years. Red Sox fans on Twitter have been trying to – That is very true. That is true. Always trying to trade for the guy. I'm done with it. I've I've never really felt that much love for him. Our our last segment, our last segment. Pat, do we have time? We have time for Derek's uh, trivia prospects, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so we have time for our last segment. Okay, I'm moving on to my last segment. My last segment is – Guys, a lot of Hall of Fame stuff going on here today. A lot we of have time stuff. for only Derek's trivia prospect thing. Derek, Derek's not doing trivia and prospects. He's doing. I mean, he's not doing. He's doing prospects, and we're going to do that at we're the doing end. Trivia. You know, you're doing prospects, and it's going to be at the end. It, it, what I'm saying, Joey, is that we're at the end. That's what I'm saying. We're, okay, we're at the end. Uh, I want you guys to all pick <laughs> one guy. <laughs> I'm hosting. I want you guys all to pick one person from the Hall of Fame. That you would kick out. You have to pick someone. You have to pick someone. I want each of you. And I, I hope you've done some prior consideration for this. I put this on the agenda. Are you both ready? I'm assuming Pat, you're ready. No, you are. Are okay. Pat, first pick. Kick someone out of the Hall of Fame. Kick, kick someone out. Um, his name is. I'm sorry. Where is it? His name is. I want to. I want to spell it right. It's Joe Kelly. But it's spelled K E L L E Y. 
and I'm kicking him out because he's the wrong Joe Kelly who should be in the Hall of Fame. Do we know anything about Joe Kelly's contribution? That yeah, he was, <laughs> he's from uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. He was a left fielder in uh, in the 1890s for the Boston Bean Eaters. <laughs> And the Baltimore yeah, local guy, Pat? and and the Baltimore Orioles, um, and uh, he was a, he was really a great player. For being honest, three seventeen career average. Um, he stole eighty seven bases in the eighteen ninety six season. He's a great player, um, but you have to be to make it in the Hall of Fame. But um, there's only room for one Joe Kelly in uh, in this town. Was he playing when they were still doing the the ball had to bounce before they were underhand pitching? I I, I, I don't know. Uh, for my pick, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Derek go last because uh, you know I'm sure Derek's working on something very very good. It's gonna be Harold Baines for me because they talk about the Baines line. Do you hear? Have you heard the term Baines line? All when they're discussing the Hall of Fame, people discuss whether someone is better than Harold Baines because Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, and they say, oh, well, if he's as good as Harold Baines, and Harold Baines is in the Hall, he also deserves to be in there. Harold Baines is a DH who, I, I don't know how he got in there. He was a a good player, but I mean, there are a lot more very good players that deserve it before Harold Baines does. I'd kick Harold Baines right out. Goodbye. Goodbye, Harold. You're not in the Hall of Fame. You know how he got uh, in? Sayonara. Do you know how he got got in? Tell me, Derek. He got in because he got in through the Veterans Committee, which is 16 people. You need 12 votes. You need 12 votes to get in out of the 16. And his former manager, Tony LaRussa, and former team owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, strong-armed the committee and got the 12 votes to get him in. That's how he got in. Yeah, I mean, the guy looks like a guy who just got in because he played a long time. I, who was ever afraid when Harold Baines came to bat? Okay, Derek, who was your pick to kick someone out of the Hall of Fame? Harold Baines was my pick. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. I love what I host. So, I mean, I don't really have another. I didn't really come prepared with another pick. Um, I guess my joke pick is Babe Ruth because he murdered his wife. But besides that. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, I don't know. I don't really have another pick. Derek is using his pick to put Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame. Thank, no, thank, thank, thank you, Derek. All right. Well, we had such a great show today. I'd like to thank all of you. No, 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 And celebrating good. Festivus. We're over time. Sorry, we're just over time. All right. Now that Joey's muted, um, we're doing trivia. Um, so... Fans of Bleachy Balls, please write in to let me know. We are going to see what you guys have learned about me. Please, please write in to let me know. Um, All right, here he goes. We're going to do the trivia. Let's bust this out. We're not doing illegal trivia. I am the host. We're doing trivia. We don't have the time to argue. Let's go, Derek. It's going to stink, Pat. It's always bad. We are going to see what you guys have learned throughout the season. I already hate it. These are things that I have said. What is my go-to stat for hitters? All right, I'm, le- I'm leaving the call. Everyone at Bleacher Bros, have a, have a great it's night. OPS Plus.
No, it is not. Oh, uh, that's that's mine. Well, Joey's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess just, he's not hosting anymore. I guess you're just uh, you're just quizzing me now, Derek. I guess um, it, it is weighted runs creative plus. Uh, yeah, it's inferior, but we don't have the time to get into that right now. Yes. Uh, favorite, my favorite all time uh, minor leaguer. Oh my god. I've said this multiple times. I've brought him up multiple times. Um, Lars Anderson. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's Aaron Bates. Oh, I was close. <laughs> <laughs> You're close. It wasn't too far off. Uh, it wasn't too far off. Um, and, and then my, my last stat was going to be uh, which what team is going to win the National League in 2024 based off uh, my, um, I don't know what the word is. Your calculations? My favoritism, I don't know, my bias. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, I got one. One for three. That's a good day. Hit the showers. <laughs> there we go. All um, right. I, I couldn't think of the word bias, whatever. I Joey sucks. Uh, he does. He's gone. We're going to sign off. This is the final episode of 2023. We're going to see you guys again in 2024 within when that, when that next episode posts, it's within 48 hours of the Yamamoto deadline. So maybe we'll have some news. Maybe we won't. Um, but we will be down to the wire regardless. Thank you guys for hanging out with us all year long and dealing with Joey and Luke. And I guess really just those two guys. Um, hopefully you've done all the things that you can to support us already. You've, Hit the subscribe button on your podcast app of choice so the show just shows up directly on your phone. You've rated us five stars. You've left us a nice review. You've hit us up on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitter. That's our main social media hub. All of our Twitters can be found in the description of this episode. Our website, BleacherBrawls.com. That's where we have all of the Yankees stuff and Red Sox stuff. Uh, Joey didn't even mention that this was like a Red Sox-only show at the top of the show. Um I'm giving yes, I'm giving Joey like a like a B minus. He was professional. <laughs> he gets a C plus. No, he gets a C plus. He was well. You have a personal vendetta. He was professional. He got us around the sixty minute mark, um, but he left out a lot of crucial information. He also I also did not get to promote. Uh, I have a column coming out this Friday <laughs> where I'm going to preview the World Juniors tournament, one of the biggest tournaments <laughs> in hockey. Very, it's a very cool thing. Um, so that'll be coming out Friday on the Bleacher Rolls website. Great, great. Um, and that'll be it for, for this year. Thank you guys for being with us all year. Hopefully for both of our teams, really just one of our teams, um, more success in the new year. Um, so we have lots to talk about, and you guys will want to be with us every step of the way. Happy holidays uh, to you and yours. Stay safe. Um, hope you have a good new year, and we will see you on the other side of it. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.